Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 170 of the Motorcycle Men podcast and another interview for your listening pleasure. Thanks for listening and tuning in to this podcast and, of course, listening to all the Motorcycle Man episodes. If you'd like it to help out the show, you can go to our website at MotorcycleMen.us and you can click on the Donate button if you'd like to help us out with a singular PayPal donation. Another way you can help us out is give us some feedback. Go over to iTunes and give us a rating, good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't matter. While you're at it, send us an email to MotomenPC at gmail.com. Or go to our contact page on the website and send us a note there. I read all of our email, and we will comment on it during our next show. The Motorcycle Man Podcast is brought to you by Surf and Summit Motorcycle, Maine and New Hampshire's newest motorcycle rental and tour company. They offer Harley-Davidson Big Twins and Suzuki V-Stroms for rent at reasonable rates. They would be happy to deliver your rental bike wherever you are staying, or you can take a look at the bikes at Street Cycles of Falmouth, Maine. Surf and Summit also offers rental helmets, jackets, gloves, and GPS, so you'll have a wonderful, great New England riding vacation. From the beautifully rugged coast of Maine to the amazing White Mountains of New Hampshire, Surf and Summit can help you have a fantastic motorcycling vacation. So for more information, please visit surfandsummitmotorcycle.com. And don't forget to visit your local cycle gear for all of your motorcycle needs, from clothing to parts. Cycle Gear is your premier one-stop shopping location with 136 stores nationwide. You're bound to find a store near you to help you find what you're looking for. And you can trust and count on receiving great pricing and top-notch customer care. And if you're in New Jersey, be sure to stop into the Edison store and see Chainsaw Ginny or Sean and tell them that the motorcycle men sent you. So go to CycleGear.com today. And for the best in motorcycle riding jeans, there's only one place you should be going, and that is Tobacco Motorwear Company. Dave and the crew over there make great motorcycle riding jeans that will outperform that ratty old pair you've been wearing and most other brands available. And not only do they perform well, but they are also the best looking and most comfortable selvage jeans you will ever own or wear. And for further protection and style, get yourself a California riding shirt Comfortable, safe, and it looks absolutely stunning. It's Kevlar lined and has that beautiful bandana liner as well. I wear a pair of tobacco riding jeans and a California riding shirt each time I go out. They feel good, look great, and give me that extra protection and security when riding that I want from my gear. And they got that new McCoy riding jacket as well. Pre-orders are now being taken for this very attractive water propellant waxed canvas jacket with armor. It has a flannel lining, underarm vents, and airflow sleeves. That's the McCoy jacket. And as always, all tobacco motorwear gear is made here in the USA. Tobacco Motorwear Company. Visit them at tobaccomotorwear.com and tell Dave and the crew over there that the Motorcycle Men sent you and use that coupon code MOTORCYCLEMEN when ordering. The Motorcycle Man is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. The foundation was started by Stage 4 cancer survivor David Calderella to help other families who are struggling through the personal, emotional, physical, and mental financial struggles of cancer. If you would like to help out and be a part of something that actually makes a difference, donate today to David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. Go to davidsdreamandbelieve.org to donate. Links will also be in the show notes. 
Now, if you are a regular listener of this podcast, you will know that I am a super fan of the Harley-Davidson Sportster. You will also know that I am a huge fan of people doing extraordinary things on their motorcycles. Another thing that also catches my attention is people who use their motorcycles in a way that is most likely not what they were intended for or beyond what ordinary riders might consider normal or the perceived intention of its use. Now, that could be anything from a street bike doing things only an adventure bike should be doing or a scooter traversing an entire continent. These people prove that any motorcycle can do just about anything and that there are virtually no limits if you put your mind to it. My guest today has taken two of my favorite things, sportsters and long-distance riding, and mashed them together to create some memorable and admirable adventures. Good evening, everyone, and joining me here now in the V-Twin Cafe, all the way from, where are you from, Chris? Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. All right. Uh, yep. Mr. Chris Comley of the uh, Chris's Motorcycle Riding Adventures uh, blog and, of course, Facebook page. Chris, welcome to the Motorcycle Men podcast. Well, thank you, Ted. I'm glad you can make it. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your motorcycle self and what you currently ride? Sure. So I started riding about 25 years or so ago. On a 1974 Suzuki GT550, which if you're not familiar with the bike, it's a three-cylinder, two-stroke, a uh, lot of fun to ride, and I actually still own the bike. Uh, when I when I had that, I, I literally taught myself to ride for all of about 15 minutes in the <laughs> back driveway of of the you know the, the row houses I lived in in Northeast Philly. Right. Then said, hey, it's gonna be a smart idea to ride down and see my friend Sue, who lived in Delaware County. So I hopped right. on I ninety five and rode down and almost killed myself. So uh, <laughs> well, you, I mean, you did spend fifteen minutes learning how to ride. After all, oh, uh, maybe twenty. Okay, all right, all right. Well, I thought there you go. Uh, God, yeah, okay. you know, got it up to probably second or third gear behind the house. You know, perfect. Uh, so uh, and I rode that bike around all local stuff. You know, probably no more than twenty or thirty miles away from the house. Yeah, for five or six years. It developed what I thought was a transmission leak, so I, I I just didn't have time to fix it. Life got in the way, and you know, fast forward, you know, a bunch of years, five six years, and uh, you know, a bunch of friends had Sportsters, and I said, hey, I want a Sportster. Of course. So I uh, in in '96, I put money down on a bike, and for those that don't know or don't remember, those were the years when you there was a year long waiting list. Yeah, I remember so that. I'd yeah. Put five hundred dollars down on a bike and. You know, expected a call in a year, and I got a call in six months, literally the week before Christmas, to come look at my bike. And I'm like, I can't buy it now. Christmas is next week. So, uh, so then I, it's I, your I, own I, Christmas present. Well, yeah, but my 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 <laughs> almost fiance, who became my fiance that following spring, uh, didn't really agree. So, uh, uh, and then like I said, I. I got engaged and, and, and she had two kids from a, a previous previous marriage so that kind of put the bike on hold for a number of years and you know i still rode the suzuki around a little bit but 
literally in, in, in July of 2006, you know, I had stopped at a Harley dealer to pass some time on my way to a meeting at night. And uh, I, I literally walked around and looked and said, you know what, it's time. So I got home. I, I told my, my then wife, I think it's time to buy a bike. And, and she was always supportive. She wanted me to have it. Uh, and I think we literally went out. That was a Tuesday night. I think we went out Wednesday, maybe Thursday. I went to, you know, the Brian's Harley-Davidson in Langhorn. Yes, walked around the, the showroom. Yeah. Yep. Walked around the showroom floor. Sales guy came up and said, can I help you? I said, yeah, I want that blue one right there. So it was probably the easiest sale he probably ever had. I think he was in shock. Who was your salesman? So, uh, Do you remember? Greg Haberkern, I believe, is his last name. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but uh, great guy. No longer works at the, in the dealership or the industry, but we are actually Facebook friends. So, so Greg, if you're still out there, if you're out there listening, thank you. Uh, my wife might not thank you, but I do. So, <laughs> of course not. So, uh, but that that kind of started it, and I, I had no idea that I would get into the type of riding that I do now when I bought that bike. I figured I'd ride around and do you know. Stuff. I volunteer at an air museum out in Reading, so I'd ride my bike out there and back, at, you know, 65 miles each way. Right. And you know, the, the first you know six months up until December, I, I put maybe 900 or 1,000 miles on the bike, and, and I'd say three quarters of that was out and back to Reading. Nice. Um, following spring, you know, dug the bike out of out of the garage when it got warm out, and like you know, three quarters of the other bikes, it wouldn't start because the bike battery was frozen solid. So I, uh, you know, carried the battery down, got a new one, and then started riding. And each year, you know, I, I put more and more miles on it. And then literally in, um, I guess it was probably January of, of 2008, uh, some of my friends, the ones that got me in the bikes in the first place, were planning a trip down to Key West. And I went back and forth, thought, I'm like, you know, that's a pretty cool idea. So may- maybe I'll do that. So I, I told him I'm in, and you know that was my very first road trip, and that, that kind of really started things getting even worse. You, know? you caught the, um, the bug right there, caught you. Oh, I, I caught the bug big time. Uh, you know, we uh, we rode down to, uh, to to Key West. We spent um, you know a night there, and turned around and came home. Stopped off in Myrtle Beach because it was Myrtle Beach Bike Week, mm-hmm. and you know I, I, when I got home, I think I had 3,500 miles on the bike. You know the bike had just turned you know, 11,000, 12,000 miles, and uh, pretty much ever since 2008, I've been doing at least one three to five thousand mile trip a, a year on the bike. Nice, uh, that's fact, great. Oh wow, just, great. And I think you probably even saw I just did one a couple did a. Almost six thousand miles. Of, you know, of yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about that because that really caught my eye. Yeah. So, so now, but, what? So what? What do you have now? What's your bike now? So I don't. I have um, three bikes that I currently ride. So I have my two thousand and six Sportster, which is the one that I just was talking about that I bought brand new off the floor. Right. Um, I bought from the group of guys that went down to Key West. I bought the a, a ninety six Heritage. Um, uh, Heritage Softail Special. Nice. Uh, that had twenty thousand miles on it five or six years when I bought it. Um, it now has sixty thousand miles on it. And I just this spring um, bought a two thousand seven Sportster with um, I think it's got nineteen thousand miles on it when I bought it as a 
backup bike for, for my 2006. <laughs> Back, a backup bike. So your 2007 is your backup bike for your 2006. Correct. Wow. Okay. Uh, I got it. Yes. Yeah. So, and when we talk about what I've done to my 2006 bike, you, you'll understand why I can't uh, just okay. hop on a bike and, and do the riding that I do. So why not do your rides uh, on the Heritage, though? Because that's my around town bike. The Heritage is your around-town bike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would think it would be the now, other way. See? Okay. Uh, well, actually, it, it's funny because, well, I, again, you know, a lot of it with, with my Sportster and with the long-distance riding I do and the um, Iron Butt Association rides I do and the rallies I participate in, I actually have an extra fuel tank on that, which takes the place of the rear seat. Oh. So if my wife, So if my wife wants to go with me on the Sportsters, there is no place for her to sit. Um, okay. Plus, you know, she is tall. She's got long legs. Literally, when we're sitting on the Sportster, um, she can put her feet around my legs and put them on the highway pegs. <laughs> so it's, it, it's physically not thick enough to, to hold the two of us. And, I mean, I, I have traveled on the, on the Heritage, and, and it's great on the road. It's, I mean, you know, hey, it's got 150 pounds on the Sportster. It's a lot smoother. Oh, yeah. Um, but with the riding I do, when I'm on the bike for 18, 20 hours a day, and you end up in the middle of the night on these twisty back roads in the, in, in the heart of Kentucky in the mountains, um, when you're doing 10, 15 miles an hour, because if you go any first, further, you're out running your headlights. Yeah. Um, it's just that extra weight just beats me up. And I, I did one rally on that on the, on the Heritage because I had to. And I came away physically sore and, and physically exhausted. Well, you know, as you know, it's a heavy bike. You know, it it's, is. it's got a lot of girth to it. It does. I mean, there's from the bikes I have, it is wonderful. If you if I get on a sweeping turn with that bike, you know, as you as you may know, you sit so low in that bike, you feel like you're actually part of the bike as opposed to riding it. And it just can go on forever. Oh, yeah. But like, like I said, there's, there's twisty roads when you're going slow. When you're not really turning, you're more manhandling the bike. Yeah. Um, it, it just, I just got tired. So I'll that's, tell you what, you know, that, the Heritage is a great highway bike. It is. It's a great highway bike. Um, so now, let's, let's briefly, let's get into Chris's riding adventures. That's your blog. Uh, why don't you yes. tell us about that and what prompted you to start that? Okay, so as far as the blog, you know, the reason I started that, it actually goes back quite a few years. Um, I belong to a sports forum, forum called the XL Forum, and that's basically a whole bunch of enthusiasts that ride their sportsters and anywhere from bar hoppers to cafes yeah. to touring to you name it. Oh, hey, I'm um, a, did you say the XL Forum? Yes. Hi, I'm a part of that. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm, pa- I'm parroted on the forum. So. Huh. Um, Basically, I had seen stories over the years of people talking about different rides they did and places they went. So when I did my 2008 trip down to Key West, I wrote, up, wrote it up and, and put it out there, and everybody loved it. Everybody commented on it. 2009, I, I had a, a, another forum member, uh, Brad, who, you know, we started uh, doing trips together, and we went out to Key West together. So we both... You know, did it again, and this time we actually put it out there every day. We put an update on, this is what we did today, this is how far we went, this is what we saw, put out pictures and all that. Yeah. And again, everybody loved it. So, you know, it was like, hey, this is pretty cool. And then when Brad no longer, you know, he moved to Arizona, so we stopped riding together. Um, you know, it's, 
it's I really most long distance riders will tell you that they will almost always ride solo because if you've got two people, you've got two different people that have you know get tired at different lengths. You got two bikes to go different distances, two different size bladders, <laughs> all that you know, two different people to get hungry, all that stuff. Yep. So. And, and, I, and so I, I do enjoy the actual riding solo, but when you stop and you see something cool, it really sucks, and you can't turn to somebody next to you and say, isn't this cool? Yeah. Or at dinner, you can't say, wasn't that great that we saw, you know, that pink giraffe in the field? Yeah. Um, I would have to so, think that probably the worst part of that aspect of it is when you get home, you have to tell your, your special person, well, this is what I did, and you kind of do. You walk away feeling bad that wow, you weren't there to see it. Uh, well, my wife actually has a back problem, so she can't physically travel with me. That's oh. why she doesn't. But I, I started putting stuff out on Facebook, you know, as my way of sharing with people what I was doing and what I was seeing. Yeah. And again, they loved it. So I've got a, a friend of mine that um, is a listener. I, I don't know if you know her or not. Uh, she goes by Fuzzy Galore. She's yeah, got her own Rachel, blog. I know, I know. Yeah, Rich, yeah. yeah right. She, she's a good friend of mine, a uh, great person. Yes. And I, I started reading her blog, and I said, maybe I should start one. So I talked to her about it. She gave me some pointers, you know, told me how to get started. And I set it up basically as a way to capture my, my road trips and my rallies and stuff like that and put it out there so that other people can see it. And mm. if I talk to somebody and they say, What's it like to ride, you know, to a place like that? I'm like, I'm glad you asked. Here's my blog. <laughs> so we can blame Rachel for this then, right? Well, you can blame her for the blog and having yeah. to read it about it online. There's other people to blame for me to getting into the riding I do. So. <laughs> That's okay. Now, all of these rides you're, you're doing that, that you talk about here on your blog, are you, have you done all of these on your Sportster? I would say probably 90%. Really? Um, and this is the yeah, 2006 so, Sportster you've been doing them on. Correct. So I've been, I'd say 90% of these rides, or 95% are on this Sportster. I did one ride this summer on my 2007 Sportster. Um, I, I've done, let's see, maybe one or two trips on the Heritage. I've done a couple, I've done, you know, including a rally. I've done a couple IBA certificate certificate rides, you know, thousand miles in twenty four hours. Oh yeah, I've done I've done a couple of those on the Heritage as well. But almost all of the sports, so like I said, that's my travel bike. It's some people think it's a little backwards, but um, it works for me. Well, you know what? It's interesting, and and I've talked to a number of people, uh, Drew Faulkner from the Moto Adventurer for one, uh, and even say, take for example, take uh, Rachel Fuzzy Galore. Uh, and other guys uh, and women, men and women like that, who use motorcycles that probably weren't meant to be used for what they're <laughs> using it for. But in, And that intrigues me to no end. I, I like that you're stretching the envelope of, of, a, of a motorcycle, which goes to prove that any motorcycle can pretty much do anything. You don't need a specific touring motorcycle to do thousands of miles. Any motorcycle will do. I'm now I'm not suggesting that you get on a sport bike and try to do an iron butt. You know that would probably be a bad thing. But uh, the fact that you're, I'm a, I'm a, I love sportsters, and the fact that you're doing these lengthy rides is amazing, and I love this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the bike in detail, what you've done to it to make it that long distance monster? 
Okay, so I, I've I've done a, a lot of stuff to it. Um, so I, you know, starting pretty much from front to back, you know, I, I upgraded the front suspension. I, you know, I put uh, progressive strings in the front. You know, it's got a windshield on it. I've got uh, really bright auxiliary lights that, uh, you know, to, to, to actually fill in those those black country roads in the middle of the night when there's no cloud, when there's no stars. Yeah, now I'm looking um, at that. I, I, I see yeah. one picture of your bike and I see the front, and that's obviously not stock. You actually bought those. But those and I've never seen that done to a Sportster before. So we're going to talk about that later. Okay. Um, so, you know, moving back, you know, the, the seat, I've got a, a Mustang seat with a backrest, mm-hmm. um, which just, you know, I mean, on that bike, I, I am... You know, comfort's not a problem. I mean, my problem with my handicap or what holds me back riding is physically staying awake. I mean, I can do, I mean, I've ridden two iron butt rallies in that bike where I covered, you know, at, in the one, 9,200 miles in 11 days. So riding day on day for a thousand miles a day or, or 18 hours, 20 hours a day is not a problem other than trying to stay awake. Um, so I, I've also, as I said, you know, I put highway pegs on it. Uh, and it's got saddlebags on it. The rear suspension, I've got air shocks off of a touring bike. Um, I've got, you know, I've got an actual tour pack on there. Or if you're not a Harley rider, a top case. Uh, and I, and if you're looking at the picture of the current configuration, underneath that tour pack is a six gallon auxiliary fuel tank. A six gallon auxiliary tank? Six yes. gallons, really? Now, how do you have that attached to the bike? It's attached to the rack, obviously. Yes. So basically working with, with my bike shop, uh, you know, we, we built a, a custom rack that, you know, attaches to the rear fender, basically to the fender bolts, uh, the same bolts to hold the, the saddlebags on. And, you know, it's just with the fuel tank itself, you know, we actually have three holes drilled through it. Um, so we ba- I basically bolt through the tank into the rack mm-hmm. and then the um, tour pack bolts, you know, down to the actual uh, fuel tank. So you're able to switch over from your regular tank to this? Yes. So oh, that's cool. That's one of the, the advantages of having a carbureted bike, on, which is a 2006 is carbureted, is to, to, to plumb that in. It was real simple. I just simply cut the fuel line, put a T in it, and I was done. Nice. So I, I've got a switch on it that I can basically you know, cut off the flow from the auxiliary tank. So on, on that bike, it's real easy. I just simply turn my petcock off. I open up the fuel the switch on the uh, auxiliary tank, and I burn that first. You know, close it. You know, when the bike starts sputtering, open up the petcock, and I've still got four and a half out gallons to go. Okay. On my 2007, that's a problem because it's it's fuel injected, and I'm still working out how to do that on that bike. <laughs> that is really amazing that you've done that. Yes. Wow. Uh, now, as far as it goes for the top case, now you added that obviously for put your helmet and stuff like that, some extra storage. Yeah, and you've got the saddlebags on there. They're not the lockable type, I can see. No, they're not. Now, with adding so I, with adding that six gallon auxiliary tank, how has your gas mileage been on the bike? As far as the actual mileage itself, really didn't change. If you think about a six gallon tank, six gallons of gas it weighs thirty six pounds. You know, and then you've got the weight of the tank, the top case. So it's still less than having a person sitting back there. Oh, okay. Um, okay. The, uh, the, the advantage of it is, I mean, I basically have a range, depending on the conditions, how fast I'm going, hills or flat or whatever, wind, 
Um, I can go between 400 and 450 miles without no stopping for kidding. fuel. Oh, that's amazing. Now, now, I can't physically go that far. <laughs> but the bike can. But, again, I participate yeah. in rallies. So I, I have to, you know, when I'm in a rally, which a rally, for anybody that's unaware, is basically a giant scavenger hunt. Yeah. That can be either eight hours to 11 days long. Yeah. Um, you're riding around taking pictures of different things or stop, going to different locations. So I'm getting off and on the bike frequently. You know, if I need to use a restroom, I just simply stop and use a restroom. And all of a sudden, they'll say, hey, you know, I, I need to get gas. I only need to get gas probably two times a day. Oh, okay. Um, now, the, and if the, you're, now that, that's an that's a 883. Both of them are. The 6 and the 7 are the 883? No, they're 1200s. Oh, they're both 1200s. Okay. Now, I know yes. the 883 is rated at 55 miles per gallon. So I think the 880, right. the, the 1200 is rated at 48. Yes. So I get realistically on the highway – uh, when I'm and when I'm on the highway, I'm I'm going on the highway. I might be on the highway for you know a couple hundred miles before I stop. I'm probably getting about forty-two miles a gallon. That, that's not too bad. That's that's quite acceptable, I think. And geez, it is with a forty-five four hundred fifty mile range. You can't complain about that, right? Yeah, and that's I've never. I probably could go for, further. I just try. I, I just don't push it because. Yeah, you can still, no matter how much gas you have with you, you can still run out. Oh, yeah. And as I, I've put, you know, I, I've gotten to the point where I only had, I had less than a half a gallon left a couple of times, and it's not a fun experience. So no, I try no. not to do that. Yeah, I can understand it. Now, do, have you done all this work yourself? Yeah, so I, I do probably 90, 95% of the work myself on my bike. Um, I, I'll, I pretty much have done everything, and that includes, you know, Pulling your head off because I snapped an exhaust stud, um, you know, not, nothing really bothers me. Uh, the, the thing, only thing I, re, I don't do is I don't do tires because, you know, I know how to. It just, you know, I can either do it. I can either spend an afternoon or an evening or a couple of evenings doing tires, or I can drop it off of my bike shop and pick it up the next day with new rubber on it. And and I look at it, you know, I, I've got a great relationship with the local bike shop, you know. Bikes built better in Horsham, PA. Um, you know, I, they've, they've helped me out so many times. You know, they, they do basically the stuff I don't want to do, like like tires and PA. We've got state inspections. You know, I just had leaky fork seals on the on the 2006 Sportster, so I pulled the forks off myself, handed them to them, went back a couple of days later, and they had new seals in them magically, and I put them back on my bike. Um, and then, of course, whenever I break something, you know, here, Chuck, can you fix my bike? <laughs> so, so uh, listen, boys they, and girls, just don't break anything. Yes. So, but you know, when when I was doing you know forty thousand miles a year, I was in there often for new tires. So I get about probably ten to twelve thousand miles on a rear tire. So, wow, how many miles? I saw I saw a photograph, but how many miles does uh, do? You, well, I guess I was gonna say does do all your bikes have? But let's specifically start with the two thousand six. What's the miles on that bike right now? Okay, so the 2006 Sportster has 240,000 miles on it. That and change. is awesome. So 206 of that was on the original factory engine. Uh, last spring, I basically found a bad bearing. You know, I split the cases, replaced the ba- all the bearings in the transmission, put it back together, and then I basically a piece of cardboard from an oil cap fell into the oil tank, and I well, engine died from oil starvation. So, oh. yes, oh. Yeah, six weeks before the Iron Butt Rally. So, oh. 
Yes, I was not a happy person. I, I, I think imagine. I invented, I invented words. You know when that happened. Um, oh, wow. But uh, so that got that one. The um, 2007, which I just bought, had 19.5 on it when I bought it. I probably put 1,500 miles on it this summer. Um, I'm, I'm actually the reason I haven't ridden it lately is I'm waiting for a fuel tank to get painted, which was just painted for it. Okay. To put a, a 40 gallon tank on it. Nice. And then my my heritage I bought was about 19.5, 20,000 miles on it, and it's got 60 on it now. I've had that for about six years. Nice. So. Wow. So from Harley and Hog Miles, I've got. I've got the rocker for 250,000 miles, and I think if I set it in now, I'd probably have the one for 300. Oh, that's great, man. Wow, you should be proud of yourself. That's awesome. So now what made yes. you choose the Sportster? Is it because other, your other your friends were riding, or is it just because it, what, what appealed to you about using the Sportster for this? A couple of things. So, so, again, when I first started riding, I had no intention of doing this stuff. So I wanted a Harley. I knew that much. And we went, my wife and I, or actually fiance at the time, and I went and wandered around the bike shows and sat on all the bikes and sat on the Harleys and went to the dealerships. And, you know, in, in the, the late 90s, pretty much the only bike I was comfortable on was a Sportster or the Superglide because my calf would hit the air filter. And yeah. I, I actually couldn't get my right foot on the brake, brake pedal comfortably. So that, that kind of limited there. Uh, and I didn't want a big, massive touring bike. And I, I mean, I wouldn't mind having one now, but at that time I really wasn't interested in it. Um, so when it, in 2006, when I kind of woke up and said, Hey, it's time to buy a bike. Uh, the, the, the limiting factor was, well, that's what I could afford was a sportster. Yeah. So I bought it. I mean, had this, I known what I was doing, you know, going to do with it. Then I might've opted for the super glide because it's got a little bit more room on it. It's just a slightly bigger bike, yeah. but it's similar. Uh, but you know, I'm again, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. I mean, I, I keep riding it because I know the bike inside and out. Um, and I'm comfortable on it. And, and I have to say it, it, it's pretty cool when I'm sitting there and I bump into somebody and talk to them and, you know, and they say, you ride a what? <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Now I see, it looks like you have a stage one on there or did you do stage two? Stage one, it, 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 the engine stock. I mean, yeah. I, I basically, the only, the only thing I did to it is. I did put a different air cleaner on it. I did have the Screaming Eagle 2 pipes, uh, slip-ons on it for a while. And I they're actually loud. Them. They're, they're not as loud as the Vance and Hines that are on my 2007. Uh, but I had, to, I had to take them off because for the Iron Butt Rally and the other multi-day rally I've ridden in the Butt Light, which is six days long, uh, if you don't have stock exhaust, they do a sound check. And I don't know... How they, if they would pass or not, but it would really be a pain if, you know, 2015 on rally was out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So if I was out there and the bike failed the sound check, I'm kind of out of luck as far yeah. as how am I going to fix this? Well, I can tell so you, this, I, made, I do know that the, uh, I did a sound test uh, with a decibel meter on my, because I have, I have uh, the Screaming Eagle 2s, which I took off. And mm-hmm. did a sound test and it idles at 114 decibels. Okay. So it's freaking loud. So and, I, and like I said, I, I man, I had trouble hearing myself think when you're doing 60 miles an hour, you know. Um, but so, what's the longest ride you've done <laughs> with this bike? Okay, define long. You mean in a 
Do, do you mean in, in one stretch of, of not no, well, sleeping? Just, do you mean no? Let's uh, let's say uh, the longest tour you've done, uh, consecutive tour. I get, uh, I know you could say you did the Iron Butt Rally, and which is which is beyond me anyway. But recently, I see that you did a a, a very long ride too, which included uh, uh, AMA Vintage Days. So, why don't you tell us about that? Okay, so that was actually a short ride. <laughs> but, uh, a, a short touring ride, I'll say that. Sure. So, uh, well, actually, I guess to, to answer your first question, I'll get into the MA Vintage yeah. Days. So, the, the longest ride, well, obviously, with the Iron Butt Rally, you know, a uh, 2017 rally, I covered 9,200 miles in 11 that, days during the rally. That is fantastic. Uh, so, my longest, I'll say, vacation ride was 2016. I spent two weeks. And I believe I put about 13,000 miles on the bike in two, in two weeks. Um, rode out to uh, Oshkosh because I'm also a pilot. So I wanted to see the show. Yeah. Rode from Oshkosh. And I'm trying to remember exactly where I went. I basically rode around the Great Lakes back to um, Milwaukee where I met up with some friends from uh, Berks County Hog. And we actually toured the Harley Museum and, and the uh, Harley Corporate Headquarters. And then once that was done, I rode up to see a friend of mine in Wyoming, then back to Green Bay where my wife was attending a seminar and said hello to my wife and then, uh, you know, and then rode home. And that was about 13,000 miles or so. Nice. And um, you did this all on a Sportster. All on my Sportster. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, haters can take a walk. That's right. Yeah. The, uh, and and as, as you said, I mean, you, it's, 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 we have a saying with the Iron Butt Association, especially with the rally. It's it's not the bike, it's the rider. I mean, there's I've got friends. I've got a friend of mine that participated in the Scooter Cannibal Run, where last summer he rode from San Diego to um, uh, Ocean City, Maryland on a scooter. So. Oh yeah, oh, um, I've talked to plenty of scooter people. And yes, and I, I, they're certifiably nuts. Oh, they are. Oh yeah. As far as the the AMA Vintage Days, that that that's kind of a funny funny trip. So, um, I've had some you know some fat, you know some issues. My my father basically closes machine shops, and my brother and I have been selling the content. So, it's really put a hamper on my riding, and I really didn't ride this year um, up until July, until that trip. You know, no, no no long trips other than you know a a, a weekend trip. You know, I think one or two. Right. So my a friend of friend of mine, Wendy Crockett, who pulled off an unbelievable ride during the, the uh, 2017 Iron Butt Rally with four other riders. Uh, she was on the cover of the AMA magazine. You know, great, wonderful person. She's actually a motorcycle tech and mm-hmm. probably one of the most knowledgeable ones I know. Uh, she was speaking at the AMA Vintage Days. So she was talking about uh, maintenance on Saturday and long distance riding on Sunday. Right. So I sold, she put that out on Facebook and I'm like, I'm going to go support my friend Wendy. Wendy. So I looked it up and it was in Columbus, Ohio. I'm like, well, that's easy rides. And it, it happened to be the weekend after the 4th of July or of the 4th of July. So I looked at the calendar and I said, okay, well to be there to hear her talk on, on Saturday, I need to take off work on Friday. And so that basically means I'm in the office Monday and Tuesday. I'm off for the 4th on Wednesday, back in the office on Thursday, and I'm taking off on Friday. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. So I'm going to take Thursday off and and make a trip of it. So I ended up to get from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to Columbus, Ohio. I rode 
from Philadelphia to Nashville to Indianapolis to Michigan and then back down to, uh, to, to Columbus. Um, I don't remember the miles on that tra- trip, but it was uh, you know, probably 3,000. Um, and, and basically, I was stopping in Nashville to see friends there. I've got, I had a friend of mine in Indianapolis I wanted to see and say hello to, so I stopped to see him. Uh, one of a, a good friend of mine and another member of the sports of the XL Forum lives up in Michigan near Detroit, so I rode up to see him. Um, he followed me down to uh, Columbus at the MA Vintage Days, and three or four other members of the forum joined us there. So we had a kind of an impromptu, you know, meetup of, you know, half a dozen or so of the, the, the XL forum members. And we got to hear Wendy talk and saw some great bikes and some motorcycle racing and just had a, a great old time. Yeah, I've never been to AMA Vintage Days. I, I never thought it was kind of like my my thing or not. Uh, but I do see a lot of old old Harley stuff there, and it seems like a pretty cool, good time. It was. There was, there was lots of old bikes. I mean, I, I, I kind of grew up, I'm, I'm a history buff. Um, I, I, my father and grandfather had antique cars, so I like anything old, anything mechanical. So I don't care what brand it is. A, a 1930-something motorcycle to me is cool, and they had a ton of them. Oh. oh yeah. So, what are some of the other notable rides you've done? Wow, there, there, there's been there's been so many, and I, I have to say, I, I don't believe I've ever had a bad ride. So, you know, I, I'd have to say, you know, my, my first one, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, was was my trip down to Key West. You know, that was a blast. Um, and I have to say, that was one of the hardest rides because really? if you've never been to Key West, oh, I love the Keys. First, I love the Florida Keys. That first trip on us one when you're riding through the keys and the scenery is so magnificent yeah and the, the water is a blue that you've never seen before right. then all of a sudden oh no i'm riding a motorcycle i need to actually pay attention to what's going on around me um <laughs> I, I mean and, and you know i mean that was just that made it on but you know that that was my first one you know that was a blast uh, i i just I, I had so much fun on that with, with my buddies and so much came so much happened during that trip <laughs> probably can't talk about um but uh <laughs> yeah. so but we had a great time you know now the iron uh, butt you know, rally though the iron butt rally is something it's, for those of you who don't know it's it's 11 000 miles in 11 days that by any standard regardless of what kind of motorcycle you're on that is for the most part and just crazy yeah and, and it's funny with the with the ibr um again you know that that basically goes you know there's a group of us that ride uh, as a friend of mine put it in a presentation, it did, you know, improper motorcycles. So, uh, there, there, you, you, you laughed about sport bikes, but there is one guy that has ridden several IBRs on a Ninja 250. Wow. So, kudos to him. How, how, how he does it, I don't know. I, you'd have to unfold me after, you know, an hour. And he does it for 11 days straight with, with some type of backpack on because he's not no luggage. Um, but there's there's you know there's Ninja 250s. Uh, somebody rode last year, the last two on an Aprilla. Um, there's a whole bunch of like I said as we, oh the, the, the most notable last year who was actually in the 2019 rally, which I am as well, is a 1975 Suzuki GT750. So the bigger brother to my bike. Yeah, wow. So also yeah. So so um, again, you know that the, the bikes people ride, you know as they say, it's it, it's the rider, not the bike, but. Uh, the IBR is just something so cool. I, 
you know, I would have never thought that I could ride it. Even once I started doing long distance riding, I never really thought I could do that until I actually started meeting some of the riders. And I'm like, you know, they're nice person. It's not that special of a person. You know, it's not this person on a pedestal I had. It's just a normal guy or yeah. normal gal. So I, I, I got involved in that. The IBR has been going on since the early 80s, I think 81 or so, mm-hmm. give or take a year was the first one. Um, each person that completes the rally gets a unique number, and I am number 534, and my first, that was from 2015. So, there's, you know, I think now, they're, they're, I don't think they've quite hit 600 after the 17 rallies. But, so there's, all, there's less than 600 people that have completed that rally wow. today. Now, what kind of reaction did you get from uh, some of the other riders with the IBA, uh, I, well, the IBA rally when they saw you were riding a Sportster? Yeah. So, uh, during the the IBA has a banquet every March down in the in Jacksonville that, that coincides with Daytona Bike Week. Right. And there's a, a a good friend of mine by the name of Paul Pellins who yeah, actually completed. Okay, you know Paul. Well, you know Paul. I don't know if you've ever heard his Ural story of completing the IBR in a Ural, but so Paul completed the IBR in a Ural. So he shouldn't really talk about what other people ride. <laughs> but he told me the story. <laughs> and, and, and literally, uh, I, you know, they're, they're talking. You know, the, the um, uh, Lisa Landry, who's the rally master for the IBR, basically was was talking. I, I forget how the exact conversation went. I think she was commenting on how a lot of the other PA riders couldn't make it down because of the weather. Here I did a, a bun burner gold, which is 1,500 miles in 24 hours right. on the way down. And, you know, and she said that I was completing the rally on the sport. You know, I was in the IBR riding my sports surf. And Paul said that, you know, and he's a, you know, a, a bleeping, bleeping idiot is what Paul said. <laughs> and, and, tr- and if you know Paul and Paul's true fashion. And you know, I looked at him and I'm, like, and I'm like, you know, you should talk. Uh, but uh, honestly the reality is that 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 group that the the long distance crowd is is you know motorcycle riders are pretty tight and the long distance crowd is even tighter i mean they will do anything for anybody you know we might make some joking comments you know about bikes you know they might comment on my sportster and and, and I'll ask you know how long, how much longer is your final drive going to last on your on your BMW? So uh, we joke around like that, but be, I don't know that anybody's really made a negative comment about it. Nobody, I don't think ever, anybody would. A couple of people have asked, you know, do you think the sports to hold you back? And you know, my response is no, because it gets me where I need to go. I, it, you know, I'm not. It doesn't lack for acceleration. I mean, yeah, this bike's out there to get you there faster, but. Uh, again, you know, it's already fast enough to kill me. I don't need to kill myself fast. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, so the thing really, is, it's, I mean, it's got the evolution engine, and it's got to be the greatest engine ever made. It's it's fantastic. Oh. You can't. Its reliability is unbelievable. Oh, it is. I mean, I, I can literally any time that I've had a problem with that bike, I can trace it directly back to something I did or didn't do. Um, it's 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 never just died on me. I mean, I did have a problem with my skater failing during the 17 IBR and I had to literally, I lost a full day replacing my skater and my friend, actually my friend Brad's garage in, in Phoenix. And, um, you know, but that was my fault. I mean, I had a brand new skater in my hand to put in and it was an aftermarket unit. It wasn't a Harley system. And, you know, I, I, you know, I upgraded the charging system, the 38 amp three phase system because of the lights and the heated gear I wear. And, uh, 
you know, un- unfortunately that stator, which was probably 10 years old uh, or eight years old, you know, it, it failed on me. And, you know, during the rally, and I'll tell you, it's really sickening to see that little voltage light comes on when you're 100 miles east of Flagstaff on I-40. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, the bike has been fantastic. It's been reliable. You know, that the handful of times I've been on the side of the road, you know, I'm, I'm usually, I'm cursing myself out, not the bike. Oh, okay. So do you farkle it up? Just what you can see. Um, so I put, it's got two GPSs mounted on it. Um, Why which two? is a, uh, two's better than one. <laughs> That's the best so, answer I've ever heard. Uh, well, yeah, and actually, some people have three and four and five, but um, so reality is, so like, it, it, there's, a, there's a couple reasons for it too. So, so one is, you know, probably the most obvious is it's a backup. So, you know, if one fails or I accidentally delete the route or if it crashes. I still have my route in front of me, right. um, but it, it allows me, you know, to do some what ifs. So during, during a rally, you know, you're, you're, you're pressed for time. You know, you, you need to get to a checkpoint or the finish by a certain time. And, and some of the actual bonus locations that you're trying to get to are time restricted. So you need to hit them before a certain time. Uh, sometimes you find you're ahead of time and I'm looking, you know, can I add something? So that lo- that, or could be the other way you're behind schedule i need to drop something to get back on schedule uh, it, it allows you to do this what if uh, what ifs, and still have my route in front of me so i don't miss a turn you know same thing looking for food looking for a restaurant looking for a hotel i can do all that and, and still have my route in front of me okay. so that, those uh, are the main I, reasons that, that makes sense that makes sense you have one yeah. just hold your route and the next one you can do your searches on i get it exactly all exactly. right now you did this. Tell us about this uh, Crotana Midnight Run that you had done this year. Okay, so that was the first time I did that. I've got friends from my hog chapter that have been doing it for years. The Crotona Midnight Run is more like an old-fashioned car rally for those that might be familiar with them. So basically, you get a set of directions, and the, the directions will basically say, you know, go point four, you know. Go to such and such road and turn right. Go to such and such turn and turn left. Go straight to this intersection. And it'll actually give you the distance. So 0.5 miles, 0.8 miles, 2.1 miles. uh, And that. And then the idea is to, it's a timed run, meaning that you need to hit, if you leave at two minutes past midnight, you need to hit the, um, I guess, the checkpoint, which is in the middle of it at, you know, a specific time. If you're early or late, you lose points. Oh, I get it. Um, okay. So, so basically that. So it's you know the whole thing is averaged so that you average thirty miles thirty miles an hour. Um, if you go fast, if your average speed is faster than that, you're going to be early. Then obviously, if you're if it's less than that, you're going to be late. So, you know that was the first time I've ever I ever rode that, and it was a lot harder than I, I possibly expected. Um, you, you can't, you don't use it. You don't, you can't use a GPS. Right? You've got to use written directions that they provide you. And I actually run a, a, you know, I actually put a timer on my bike for that ride so that I could actually look at it. Cause you know, my, my odometer is fairly accurate, but you know, a 10th of a mile, you know, e- you know, every, you know, 20 miles or 30 miles, you know, messes you up. So, yeah. oh. But the, this, yeah. but that whole ride takes place after midnight. Yes. After midnight in January, I remember January, February. <laughs> oh, in January. Oh yes, there was a that's, 
January or February. I, I actually completely forgot the, the, the date on that. But, um, yes, yeah, so it, it, it starts at midnight up in, I don't remember where I was on that. Somewhere in New York, in southern New York. Um, I think it was New York. <laughs> Again, I don't remember. Our, I just followed the Mentagenda line to get me there. So on my GPS. That is amazing. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the whole thing starts at midnight and it finishes around 6 a.m. You know, to do a rally, a high mileage like an Iron Butt rally or something like where you're on the bike for hours upon hours is one thing. But to do that same thing in the dark has got to be a real challenge. It, you know, it's funny. I, I thought that, but I didn't because I set my bike up for it. So I actually, you know, like I said, I had written directions. I actually simply went and I mounted a clipboard right to my windshield because I don't look through my windshield. I look over it. So if you, I don't know if you've seen the, the bug-encrusted windshield in <laughs> 2017. That's, it's not even opaque. You just can't see through it. Um, I mean, so I just literally mounted a clipboard to my windshield and then put, you know, two red lights on it because red light preserves your, your night vision. Um, so I could read my directions, you know, and then I had my timer mounted right there on my handlebars and it had a light on it. So I just would hit the button for the light whenever it went out. So I could see fine. You know, is it more difficult than daylight? It certainly is, but it, it wasn't that difficult. Um, and you know, keep in mind, as compared to a rally, with a rally, you know, I'm running with my GPSs, which are both lit up. So, what's difficult in a rally is okay, you've got to try and take a picture of a statue that you know is 20 feet away and 30 feet tall. You know, how do you get that thing lit up? You know, because your headlights only light up so much of it. This is true. Um, you know, so that that's a pain in a rally. With, with this, I mean, it is difficult trying to read a sheet of paper in the dark, but with the lights on, it was easier, but still, you know, when you look back on it, what line was I on, you know, is, is tough. Right. But, uh, it's, it's not as hard as it seems. It's just the, you know, it's your, your body's accustomed to being sleep, asleep at 3 a.m., at least at my age, it's accustomed to being asleep at 2 or 3 a.m. Oh, yeah. You know, not, not out riding a motorcycle trying to function. Well, then you have to ask yourself, what would you rather be doing, sleeping or riding your motorcycle? And that's a, that's a, that's a tough coin toss right there. Uh, I don't think it's that tough. I'd rather be riding. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Now, you do one of my favorite rallies that I keep threatening that I'm going to do. And I've been threatening to do it for the past three years. And I first heard about it from um, Fuzzy Galore's blog. Uh, it's, the okay. vo- it's the Void Rally. Oh, Okay. How do you how That's did a, how did you like the void and how did the sportster do on that? Oh, I love it. Um, the, the void is a great rally. Um, I that actually was my very first rally. Um, I, okay, I don't remember what year it was, but 2012 ish. Um, let's see, it was six years. Yeah, 2012 was my first first rally. Was the void? Uh, well, I take that back. Well, void twelve. My, my, that was void twelve that you did. Uh, it was void thirteen. 13, uh, no, it was Void 7 was the first one I did. Okay. Oh, so this okay. last one was, this last one was Void 13. So my very first rally was a, a small little local rally put on by a good friend of mine that goes by the name Hammy. And it was all local and that, that kind of got me my taste for it. Yeah. But my first, I'll say official rally was the Void. And, you know, for a number of years, I was middle of the pack. Um, I, I, you know, the bulk of the riders actually do start in Pennsylvania, which is normally around the, the Reading-Allentown area. You know, uh-huh. draw, draw a circle around that and somewhere in there. 
Um, and I, I did that start for a number of years, and I got tired of dealing with I-95 and I-81. Because it, it, it ends down in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So you, you, you're going south, and you're usually on one of those two roads. I usually shoot for 81 because it's better than 95. Yeah. But it's just with all the truck traffic mm-hmm. and all on a Friday, because it always starts on a Friday, it, it, it can be tough. So a couple of years ago, a friend of mine um, that had started it in, I don't remember if he started in Tennessee or or Georgia, the other two starting locations, but that gave me the idea of of starting out in Tennessee. So I guess three years ago, I started in Tennessee and there's not as, there's probably about a dozen riders that start there, but it was a lot more fun because I'm riding in areas that I haven't spent as much time in and I didn't have the same traffic and all that and i would have placed fairly highly except i made a very stupid mistake and wrote a bonus code down wrong because uh-huh. you get scored you actually because you get scored you've got to do something but you've also got to record it so i did in that case i had to buy something from a home depot or lowe's at 8 a.m exactly 8 a.m in kill devil hills um and i did that but when i wrote it down i wrote the actual bonus identifier i transposed two letters and you know Six thousand points gone. Ah. Yeah. So I, so oh uh, yeah. Again, I, I, I think I made up words for that one. Oh wow! But um, I just saw so, you, know, you know, I'm looking at your 2017 Void 12 blog right now. Yes, and all your pictures are gone. There's no pictures on there. Oh, okay. I'll I have to fix that. Yeah. So yes, yeah, what the the actual photos that I used to use um, stopped. Um, Stopped allowing third-party hosting, as they call it. So I'm in the process of... I've migrated my pictures. I just haven't fixed all the links. So now the Void Rally, how many miles did you do on the Void Rally? Let's see. This past one, I did probably 1,200. And that's in 34 hours with a six-hour rest boat break. Yeah, so that's Um, like like going to the corner grocery store for you. Exactly. (laughs) So, And and, and what's cool is uh, last year, 2000... uh, 17, um, I actually won for the Tennessee starters, which was my first rally win. Um, and I'll oh, tell you, I was, I was blown away. Thank you. I was blown away. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, the, the ironic part is I actually dropped my bike on the, the Lincoln Highway at US 30. Um, and, and, and picking it up, I tore a hamstring. So, oh. it, it, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. Yeah, that, that was awful. You know, trying to ride with a torrent touring hamstring, you just can't get comfortable. Can you know, and then walking was a, a, a new chore. But uh, so I actually won that, and then I'm I'm trying to figure out, you know, okay, is that was that just you know a fluke, or am I actually getting good at this? And this year, now this year I made a couple of dumb mistakes because I was out on my you know week long 1500 mile ride. And then actually finished it in, in uh, Nashville and started the void in uh, Columbia, just south of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I rode that, but I was because I was on the road and I was running later than I planned to. I didn't actually get a chance to read through the rally book. And you know, what what rally method? So a rally book lists all the bonus locations. It gives you a GPS coordinate. It gives you a street address. Uh, it gives you a description of what the actual bonus is. Um, so, you know, it, it could be anything from, you know, a, a giant hot dog to, you know, some type of monument to, you know, who knows what. Um, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yes. What, what was the theme this year? 
So the theme was deja vu. And we were all scratching our heads like, what the heck does he mean by deja vu? That, you know, because whenever you hear about a theme of a rally, you're sitting there wondering, okay, what are we going to look for this time? So what it turned out was the 2017 rally, you know, there was a, a string of bonuses that were out on US 30, the Lincoln Highway. And everybody pretty much saw the same thing. So almost all of the riders went and did something in that general area, uh, which was basically from Pittsburgh down into Fredericksburg or to Fredericksburg. Now, plus some other stuff that was, you know, surrounding that route. And it turns out that 80% of the bonus locations that they had picked for that rally were not visited by one single person. So the rally master, um, uh, Scott, uh, is who, who goes by Salty, and yes, he was in the Navy, but that's the, you know, the reason he by goes by Salty is more for his language, the way he speaks, as for anything else. Um, you know, he basically said, you know, the heck with you guys. If you're not going to visit my bonus locations, I'm giving them right back to you next year. So that's how we came up with Deja Vu. So. Uh, okay. <laughs> so why don't you yes. tell us about the Tour of Honor? Okay, so the Tour of Honor is basically a um, it, it, it's something that was set up a number of years ago. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't recall what year it started. It actually started before I got involved, and it's basically it's to honor our nation's heroes, uh, including you know military and, and, and first responders, and it helps raise funds for a couple of charities that support those heroes. So in 2018, and it's grown every year. Yeah. So 2018, I believe there's over 700 participants this year. Nice. Um, state sponsors will pick, you know, seven memorials for most states, for the most statements other than the, the small, like, states, which get four. Uh, they pick seven memorials for those states. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically uh, the participants in it will actually go and visit those memorials. So... I'm actually the state sponsor for the state of Virginia. I, I've been doing that for a couple of years. And, you know, basically I, I'll be going down starting in November. I'll be making a couple of trips down to Virginia to visit memorials, make sure that they're still there and try and find new ones and all that good stuff. Right. Um, and then literally, and, and it can be what you want of it. So somebody might join and their whole purpose in joining is they want to leisurely ride and visit a few memorials because that's the way they ride. Um, You've got other people that, you know, they'll, they'll give a trophy out for the first three people that visit all the memorials in a particular state. So there are some people like myself that say, hi, I want to do that. So at midnight on April 1st, I'm at my computer trying to find out where all the memorials are in the state of Pennsylvania. And usually by 1 a.m. I'm on the road, you know, doing an entire loop of the state of Pennsylvania, which is about 900 to 1,000 miles, depending oh, nice. where I'm going. Um, you know, starting at midnight. And um, going through it, and once I'm done, submit them in. Um, and then also what they do is the top 10 people that get the most memorials for the following year, they get the first 10 flags. So the person that got the most, which this year, there's, there's a gentleman that got three, visited 307, which is just astronomical. Um, you know, he did it in honor for, I believe, his son that he, was, that, you know, that he lost. Um, you know, he will have the number one flag next year. And all the way down to the tenth flag. Oh, that's nice. So, excellent. But it's 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 a great thing. Um, I I like it because 
state sponsors like myself, we typically pick memorials. You know, we're not going to go into the Philadelphia and Richmond or whatever major city and pick pick memorials there. We're picking them out in the middle of nowhere. And so we're going out to these small little towns. You know, there's all these monuments. You can't, you know, especially down south, but you anywhere. There's memorials all over the place that somebody created to honor somebody or something or some event. And we are basically riding around, finding these, putting them out there. And something in a small little town that very sees little traffic, sees very little traffic. All of a sudden, it's going to get a bunch of people to see it, visit it. And when you string these together, you find some awesome roots. I bet. Wow, that's really cool. I noticed that yeah. some of your pictures have you holding a hog tour book. What's uh, what's all about that? Okay, so that's probably some of the old. So when I was holding the hog tour book, Harley or Hog, the Harley Owners Group has a. Uh, thing called the ABCs of touring where you know the whole objective oh I'm sorry that's if it's a current one if it's, is it a white book yeah okay so that one is uh, well that one is basically my hog chapter Buck Candy Hog and at uh, out of Brian's in Langland PA mm-hmm. yeah we put together this little chapter challenge so that that book is it, it contains you know a bunch of things for us to go visit so it had a, a you know, list of 20 or so cemeteries in Pennsylvania and and 20 more in New Jersey. Uh, there's restaurants to go see. There's Harley dealers. There's, uh, you know, pick, you know, you go get, you know, go get a stamp from, you know, 20 Harley dealers. Go find, you know, barns of specific colors and specific shapes right. and all that. And it's just a, it's a, you know, six month long scavenger hunt. Um, to basically encourage people to ride and go visit things. So um, we cool. had to go, you know, go visit post office, you know, alphabetically spell out something. So we just basically go visit post offices to spell them out or, you know, prove that we visited states and post offices are the easiest way to do that. So, Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, listen, I want to also ask you uh, how people can learn more about you and what you're up to. I would say, you know, Check out my blog, or, or you know, I have my uh, my actual Facebook page, which I set up, you know, for you know, similar to my blog, so that people can see where I'm writing. Um, and I don't know if, if I don't have them in front of me, but if there's any way to actually put list them on the website, so people can yeah, check absolutely. it out. I will uh, put links to all of this on the Motorcycle Man website awesome. and in the show notes. That's Chris Comley on Facebook, and also Chris Motorcycle Adventures. Oh, Chris Riding Adventures. Uh, .wordpress.com, and you can learn all about Chris's trips and what he's been doing and where he's going. And what's next for you? What's the next big trip you're doing on your Sportster? I probably won't be doing too much this year, um, just with uh, other obligations. But, you know, I I will be, as I said, I'll be going down into Virginia to to pick memorials. if, If there's no wet, slippery stuff on the ground. I'll probably ride the bike down there. And I'd say, you know, my, my next big, big trip will probably won't be until March when I ride down to Jacksonville for the IBA banquet. And, you know, I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. So a couple of years ago, I went to Jacksonville via San Diego. So I might do something like that this year, <laughs> next year. Just a little mild so. little detour there. <laughs> and well, yeah, I was... Still heading generally south. Yeah, hey, why not? You you kind of were, I suppose, and you did that on the Sportster, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, of course. Like I said, almost everything is on the sports circuit. That's fantastic. So. That's really good. I, I, you're, you're my hero. I really like this. The sports is <laughs> a great bike. It's very underrated, and I wish pe- more people would get into it. Um, any last motorcycle encouraging words before I kick you off my phone? Uh, you know, I, basically what I'd like to say is, you know, get out and ride. And it doesn't really matter what bike. Yeah, yeah sure, I'd love it if it was on a sports or another Harley, but regardless of what you ride, get out and ride. It doesn't matter whether it's a week-long trip or a few-week-long trip or some long trip or a few hours. You know, look at a map and draw a line and, and, and ride somewhere because there is so much to see in this country and these little back roads that so few people seem to visit. And it's 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 one of those things that, you know, when you're actually part of the environment, you know, you've got nothing between you and the atmosphere. You know, the smells, the sounds, and the sensations, you know, things to me come alive. Yeah. You know, and I hate to say it, but it's, you get high on life. That's the best way to put it. Uh, and if your your vacation time's limited and you can't ride across the country like I do, you've got family commitments or physical issues. You know, you can always fly to a city, rent a bike, and ride around for a couple of days. Absolutely. So. Well, Chris, uh, don't go anywhere. I'm going to talk to you afterwards, but thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast and telling us all about your motorcycle adventures on your Sportster and all the crazy riding you've been doing. Well, Ted, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And if I could, one last thing. Yeah. I'd like to thank my wonderful wife, Michelle, who supports me doing this. Um, I, I couldn't do that obviously without her support. She's been there all the time for me, and you know, I'd I say, you know, I'd like to thank her. Excellent. That's it's a good thing because if Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's right. <laughs> okay, Chris, thank you very much for joining me. You take care and ride safe. Thanks, Ted. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me and Chris here on episode 170, where we talked about his long-distance adventures on his Sportsters. To learn more, go to chrisridingadventures.wordpress.com to learn more. Links will be in the show notes and on the Motorcycle Men website as well. That's motorcyclemen.us. All right, so don't forget to check out our fellow podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers, and vloggers, whose links you will find on our links page. All of these media outlets and many more out there do great things to promote and encourage our sport and passion. So, from Tim Buck 2, Chris the Joker, Justin Shoes, and me, Ted, wrong way, your host. Thanks for listening to the Motorcycle Men podcast, where we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Enjoy your ride, kids. <laughs>